Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, hello, Kelly here today with our next episode of our Setup for School series. I hope you have loved and found encouragement, wisdom, and great resources in our first few episodes. Today, we are going to be talking with Matt Myers, a middle school principal. We wanted to interview Matt in order to get his perspective on how smartphones and screen media used by students outside of school impacts their education. And this is timely and really needed in light of a lot of voices being raised recently regarding young people's deteriorating mental health. We talked about the CDC's Youth Risk Behavior Survey this year and how in 2021, it reported that 57% of girls report feeling persistently sad and hopeless. 22% of high school students seriously considered attempting suicide and 10%, 10% of high school students attempted suicide one or more times in 2021. On top of that news, there's also been over 100 school districts around the country suing big tech companies behind social media platforms such as TikTok and Instagram for the problems and distress that it has caused the school districts. In fact, recently I just saw an NBC News report about the American Federation of Teachers Union, which is the nation's second largest teachers union. They issued a report with several other organizations warning that tech companies should rein in their apps before Congress forces them to do so. They talk about how difficult teachers' jobs have become in light of these mental health issues, how many mental health counselors they've had to hire, the education they've had to provide on social media safety, all the time that is spent confiscating phones and addressing bullying-related social media problems. Now, the Federation is recommending that the platforms themselves should stop notifications during the school day eliminate autoplay of videos and infinite feeds to scroll, as well as allowing students to turn off or reset recommendation algorithms. Now, here's the deal with all that. These changes, while they sound really good, and I'd love for tech companies to employ them, they don't bring about improvement right now. Parents are the only ones who can act change right now to benefit their children's lives. So make changes to your own screen time. Make changes for your children's screen time. Repent to them. Tell them that maybe you've allowed too much too soon and you see the harm and destruction that it's causing. Turn down the dial, right? Create new boundaries and limits for your home to help your child reap the benefits of off-screen time. Let them feel and re-engage in face-to-face interactions so they can feel alive again and have hope and meaning and purpose. And On that note, I haven't talked about this for a while, but now is the perfect time because as you will hear in my interview with Matt, family time away from screens is a core benefit to a child's education. So what do we know that can really help families improve off-screen time? RO, get your RO box at goaro.com. It's G-O-A-R-O.com. This is the box we've been talking about. We did a podcast with one of the founders of RO. It is beautiful. It sits on your counter, your coffee table. Everyone in the house can place their phone in there to charge, and then it quantifies your off-screen time. 
Now, if you're a competitive family, this is just right up your alley because Aro creates a sort of leaderboard to show who has the most off-screen time. We just love Aro so much. You know, I was just at a house for Bible study and I saw their Aro box and was so excited. Now, if you go to goaro.com forward slash brave and you use the promo code brave, you can receive your first month subscription for free. And I know you might be thinking, I don't need another subscription, blah, blah, blah. I have enough. I get it. I get it. But listen, if you're subscribing to the gym and you're not going or the car wash and you're not getting your car wash, this is definitely something that really has tangible and immediate benefits for every member of the family. This is absolutely worth it. So go to goaro.com forward slash brave and use promo code brave to receive your first month subscription for free. All right. So with all of that background, it's going to be super helpful for us to hear the perspective of someone on the ground in the middle school doing this hands-on work. So here is my interview with Matt Myers. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your expertise on the Brave Parenting Podcast. Go ahead and tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Thank you, Kelly, for having me this morning. Just really excited to jump in with you and um, be a part of the podcast. Just really excited. So I am married and, and I have four children, three boys and a little girl. My, my boy is eighth grade, sixth grade, I got a third grade boy and then a little girl who's four. It will start school here in another year or so. Um, I am a middle school principal. Um, I've also served as an elementary school principal uh, as well as an assistant principal, both at the elementary and middle school and, and have taught for several years. So this is my my 17th year in education, just pumped to be serving kids and helping families just transition and, and help them be successful at school. So I'm plugged into our church. My wife and I were really active there and we're just really grateful just to have some great community around us and get poured into. And so just lucky to be here today. And I'm so excited because you just told me that you're going to Israel and we just got back from Israel in April. So I'm super excited. It's going to be an awesome experience for you. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just an incredible opportunity for Audrey and I to go. And just, we did not expect this door to open and the Lord opened it. And uh, we are, it's kind of a last minute, you know, door that, that's open. And so we're just going to run with it. And it's so cool. So pumped. I mean, I can't tell you how yeah, excited we are. That's so, so great. Awesome. All right. So we're going to talk about smartphones and media technology and how that impacts education specifically from your standpoint as the principal, as an administrator. And so, you know, one of the con- consequences of smartphones that many parents don't realize is that their screen time at home, how that impacts their education and the child's desire to be educated. So we're going to get your perspective so that parents can kind of hear it from the source, from the one who is not only overseeing their education, but dealing with some of the fallout of that screen media firsthand. So, but first, since you have been a principal elementary school, let's start with the youngest of kiddos, those entering pre-K and kinder. Have you seen that smartphones and screen media has impacted their readiness for school? And if so, how? Yes, absolutely. I feel like it's had a profound impact. You know, over the years, you know, you see children coming in and you can see, you know, the kiddos that have been plugged into either a preschool or mom or dad's been working with them at home or... You know, wherever that may be, and also the kids who who are spending an excessive amount on screen time coming in that may struggle with just social skills, um, how to relate um, to other kids, bumping into each other, and you know knowing what to say and what not to say. Wow, so those basic things. Basic things, yeah. yes. And so it's it, it is it has played a significant impact. I have seen that. You know, I've talked with teachers even on the playground about how to to show empathy with one another and whatnot. And so 
I feel like that has been a change over time. And just trying, I know parents struggle with finding balance with that. Let's say, like, do you see language development and reading readiness? Are they coming into kinder ready to read? Do they know their letters and sounds like they used to, say, 17 years ago when you started? Yeah. So it's all about balance, I feel like. So you've got some, you know, some students that come in that are strong and ready to go and they have had a solid background coming in because we really wanted kids coming to school, at least being able to recognize, you know, letters or some of the letter sounds and those foundational skills as we teach them how to read, right? And so there have been some positive things happening you know, over the years with kids growing in that area, but also there have been times where kids have not really had the time or invested into them to where they're able to learn from their, you know, wherever that may be from pre-K or from their parents. So I do think, you know, technology has played a, a profound impact in some positive ways, I feel like it's for some, but on the flip side, there are also some students who come in with, you can tell, have too much screen time, by the way. You know, they interact around their peers and whatnot. Yeah. So I feel like this is kind of an obvious answer, but I think we all can just use the reminder. So what can parents do to set their kids up early for success in education? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, to me, read, 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 read with your kids. Yes. You can't, you can't yeah. say that enough, but... Just to pour in them, the more you expose them to literature and to books and words and letters and sounds and experiences and, you know, just going to the supermarket, there's an example of, of a family going to the store and to, to the grocery store and, and one parent looks at the apples and tells their child, you know, look at these apples, they're green, they're red, there's different flavors and tastes and touch and the shapes. And then the other parent, you know, just walking by just saying, you know, grab an apple, put in the basket, not even say anything to their kids. Mm-hmm. So it's that, that vocabulary, that sure. academic vocabulary where just the communication with your child. And, and as a parent, you don't think about that because you're busy, right? You're trying to get everything, if you're at the store per se, but going through that list. So just taking the time at home to talk with your kids, turn the TV off at times, go for a walk, throw a baseball, football. We try to do that at home in our house, just putting parameters in place, um, limiting screen time. My wife and I talk a lot about this is a daily conversation in our home, but just trying to put those parameters in place where we're having those conversations just around the dinner table um, with our kids and just talking about the great things that are happening in their lives and things that we can work on together and whatnot. Since my day job is um, a pharmacist in a grocery store, I get a lot of different um, experiences as I watch moms and dads with their kids at the grocery store. And I, my heart always just jumps for joy when I hear the moms walking them through okay, now we've got our prescription. Now we need to get this, that, the other. And they're just sharing the experience with their kids. And I'm always like, yes, but then you see the kids who are just sitting in the cart with a tablet and headphones on. So there is a very big difference that can be seen. I think those are great examples. Thank you for sharing that. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about smartphones. Have smartphones been a problem in the elementary schools? The school that I've worked in, they've not been so much of a problem. I know they're they're out there. We've got some kids that have devices. Elementary kids more compliant, right? They'll follow you know what mom and dad say all the time, and yeah. for the most part, <laughs> yeah. Um, so they have not been as prevalent. You know, we we do have a few students that have phones. You know, the expectation we talked about parents is to put them away, turn them off, put them away. The thing that we have seen quite a bit are smart watches, and mm-hmm. so those have popped up. Just talking to parents about those as well. And, and I understand, you know, that parents you know, get those for their kids and just there's a lot of functionality to them. But really, those have come up you know, more so in the past few years. And those can, most of those smartwatches set for kids can actually be turned off 
during certain um, geolocations. So when they know that they're at school, you can actually set them to not be functional. So it's actually great features that parents just need to use and activate that way they can still. That's an excellent feature. You know, yeah. when we want kids to make sure those things, I mean, it's great. It's a great tool, right, to have, but also be turned off during the day because it can be a distraction if mom's trying to call them, which we don't want to have happen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or going yes. to the restroom, trying to call home or things like that. Because yeah. we want to we make sure it's a safe environment, making sure that if a child does need something, we go through a, an adult at school, right. a trusted adult. So now I know middle school, though, is a little bit different. Those kids aren't as compliant. They like to start pushing boundaries. They've got puberty happening. It's just a whole different ballgame. Let's start with what is your middle school policy for smartphones? And maybe yours is different than other schools around the state that you know of. But is that is your policy kind of generalized? Does it fit with everybody else's? So our policy is that devices uh, need to be put away during the instructional time. So anytime a teacher is giving instruction, those types of things, they need to be put away. You know, we do have, we're fortunate enough at our campus, our school district, to where we have a lot of devices is purchased from the district, Chromebooks, iPads, those types of things, so where they're put away. You know, I do know that schools struggle with this. This is not an easy task. Just the balance of trying to find balance within the school where we want to have, give kids opportunities to, to use technology in the school, but also Phones can be a huge distraction. So making sure those are put away and just monitoring that, um, it's just one more layer for teachers having to monitor and, and administrators having to give out discipline, you know, those types of things. So put away during the instructional day is our, is our policy. I know the lunchtime seems to be the big contention. I know for my kids, for a while it was allowed at lunchtime, and then maybe a different administrator came in and it was not allowed during lunchtime. I'm guessing as administrators, that is the real, where a lot of the the battle lies is do you allow it then yeah, during lunch? <laughs> great question. A lot of secondary schools do. Um, you know, I we struggle with that as just as school leaders because we want kids at the cafeteria to be having conversations across the, the table from one another. I mean, we want kids to be connected with one another. We don't want kids in isolation. Yeah. And we don't want kids talking to one another through their phones, even though they're texting one another sitting beside each other. We right. don't want that, right? So we want to have kids build those those soft skills where they're able to have those conversations and um, be able to read each other's faces and to laugh and to, you know, all those different things were to be just disconnected from those devices. Yeah. So we encourage, you know, those kids, those things not to happen at the secondary schools. Um, we really want kids, you know, put those things away. It's not needed during the day. If your parent really needs you and needs something from you, there's, there's ways to get with them. I know back when my oldest was in high school, I would have time limits set for the instructional day. So even when the other high schoolers could text, her phone was still in like a downtime, a school time. And so she couldn't. And of course, she hated it. And of course, I was the worst parent in the world for doing this to her. But, you know, as years went on, she would then go and and tell me that um, I'm the only person that they trust because they know that I'm not going to blab it basically through the phone to all the other people. So she would end up being this like constant sounding board and everybody would come to her and share these things. And so there is these hidden benefits that we think, oh, they just don't even care about them. But I think truly high schoolers still care about that intimate one-on-one conversation. But that phone just becomes such an easy crutch to just look at, to pull out because no one's at my table yet. And so... It's kind of the downtime. We, we, the other day I was talking to my wife just about patience, right? And you yes. know, just how do we build patience with people? Because right now our go-to is just even adults, right? We pull out our phone and we're looking at yeah, information whatever. or emails mm-hmm. or whatever text. So I think with even with students, right? Just that anxiousness or when there's 
no one around you, you're not talking or kids or your friends start pulling their phones. I'm going to do it too. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. just, just what does that look like at school and just trying to model that. It's so so hard. having tools like that with parents, putting parameters in place is, is, is awesome. You know, I know it's hard doing that and being brave. Yeah. But um, that's the whole just, point, right? That's why we're here in this that's podcast. That's right. Yeah, just putting those parameters in, just because they don't need it. I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, they need to be able to be having those conversations with each other. At school. Yeah. Yeah. So, what kind of problems arise when you have students with smartphones, whether or not they're using them during the instructional time? You know, I know that a lot of problems that happen off school time, because again, they're connected twenty four seven. They don't just leave school, and the drama from school stays at school. It carries over. What are some common issues that you as an administrator have seen that parents can just benefit from being aware of? Maybe they've got someone going into middle school for the first time. They have a phone. What are some of those big kind of hot topics that you're having disciplinary action over that parents need to know? You know, Kelly, I've always talked to parents about smartphones being like fire. And fire can be a great tool in that it can heat, it can cook. Um, it keeps us warm, right? But on the flip side, fire can also be damaging, can burn you, can destroy. And so some of the things that have popped up, you know, over the past several years um, around that capacity of using phones, you know, at school and, and outside of school, we've had some things with, you know, bullying. It used to be years ago that sure. bullying would stop at the end of the day, right? You get back on the bus, you go home and it'd be the end of it. Now it's it's 24-7. So there's there's some cyberbullying that, that takes place where kids can hide behind you know, fake names on Instagram or Snapchat yeah. or whatever that may be and and put up this front of being somebody else or impersonating somebody else. You know, a lot of districts now have anonymous reporting systems where if something does happen, mom, dad, kid can jump on and report something anonymously. And so we get those as administrators and we take them each one seriously from, you know, cyberbullying or if there's going to be, you know, a safety situation with a, with a gun or something come to school or um, something happened in a family, an assault, those types of things. So we do get those, you know, from kids that report those. And so we take each one seriously. We vet them with a, you know, a police officer and so um, with our school safety director. But, you know, with that being said, it's still out there. Even through Snapchat, we've had issues where kids have made threats to other kids of harm. And our job is to protect kids. You know, it, we don't want to interrupt the educational environment. So those types of things happening at seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night carry over into the school day the next yeah. day. So, you know, the ripple effects from that are huge in that it's hard for a kid to come to school to concentrate, to focus. I mean, they're anxious. I mean, maybe they don't know who's making fun of them or teasing them, or they may not even it's aware that two kids are texting each other about another friend and they screenshot it and send it to them, yeah. you know? And so just the loss of trust. And so there's a lot of things that happen. Yeah, I talked to a parent a while back that their kid had a sleepover in a friend's house and a group of boys sleeping over at one house, a group of girls sleeping over another house. But the parent didn't allow, you know, devices at their home, but the, p- the parent they were staying at did. And so the kids end up, you know, taking pictures of the, in their underwear and sending them back and forth. Oh, and yikes. So, yikes, yikes. You know, that's so inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. And so um, they don't realize, you know, just what happens and yeah. just boundaries other parents put in place. And so, yeah, so just being mindful of those as an administrator, just, we want kids to be healthy, safe at school and support them. But on the flip side, we have to protect them if there's any kind of bullying, threats, yeah. those types of things. So we, and we have to do our due diligence to investigate. I think what one of the main things I want to hear you saying, of course, is these children, they're these whole persons. So you can't divide eight hours of education and not think that what happened over the weekend or what happened that night, the night before, or what even happened the morning on the way to school through that smartphone is not going to impact 
how they learn and whether they desire to learn and all of that. So that's why the boundaries are so, so important on the smartphone to not have access to every app, not have access to every type of internet website and connectivity to the whole world, because all of that will carry over. And it's not just that one person, it's their entire friend group. And then it just, it grows. It's, it's viral, right? It just, (laughs) it It spreads and grows like a virus through the whole school. So um, what about, I just have to ask, because these were, I know, hot topics when my kids were in middle school, sexting, vaping, they were, you know, accessing this kind of stuff and communicating through social media apps in that way. Is that still an issue? It is. You know, we we wrestle a lot with vaping, especially. Um, we've really tried to put things in place. The state of Texas came out with the law recently, just trying to hammer down more. So just um, putting things in place to give schools some more teeth per se to crack down on the vaping. Um, it's very prevalent. It's the access for kids to get vape pens is easier than parents, I think, realize. Yeah. Um, especially when you have older siblings, when, when your kids' friends have older siblings, there's, it's easy accessible. And so just with you know, the THC piece to it or whatever it may be, and kids don't understand just the, the profound health impacts it has on them as well. And so right. yeah, we see that quite often. And just trying to be, do our due diligence to make sure kids are safe with that. And then even with sexting, you mentioned, that still happens quite a bit just through a kid may think that, you know, just because the picture goes away, it's gone forever right. <laughs> on some of those apps like Snapchat and whatnot. But that's not the case. I mean, not. Kids, <laughs> kids are smart, right? I'm like, haven't we gotten past this? Have we all not <laughs> learned that the internet is forever? Uh, especially when kids know how to screenshot and save and, and my eyes only, you know, all those different components that, you know, parents aren't aware of. I, I spoke with a parent a while back where they had no idea there was a my eyes only in Snapchat. Yeah. So, um, they were blown away by just the different things their kids had tucked away back in there. But yeah, it's it's very prevalent and it's hard because even as parents, you know, we give a lot of parents I talk to give their kids a device and it's kind of just everything goes and they don't realize just how many the, yeah. the parameters behind that. Right. So, so what about high school? Um, I know you probably talked to different high school administrators. Are they seeing similar issues? I know I have heard some firsthand stories of high school students, you know, watching porn in the classroom while the teacher is lecturing or while they should be watching a, a quote, educational movie. (laughs) You know, I've heard all kinds of stuff. Is the problems just more complex or are these teenagers more mature? What kind of stuff are they seeing? I do think kids are becoming more mature, right? With devices as they've grown, you know, with kids getting devices earlier on now and them having them five, six, seven years, there is something to be said about there is some maturity, but it's still happening, you know, it's still happening. And you're talking to different colleagues in different parts of the state, you know, just wrestling with that, you know, in the locker rooms or in the restrooms, kids taking and taking the cameras and turning the cameras on and taking things, pictures and whatnot. But it's out there. And I think, you know, even my fellow colleagues that work with kids and trying to put up those boundaries and those parameters with the kids is tough. And that, you know, somebody's always going to push it. Somebody's always going to go over it. And you always have kids. I have, friends my age that are still immature from the same way they're in high school so how they handle things so um so i think that you know there's there's something to be said about just finding balance and putting those parameters in place putting limits with your kid making sure you have that healthy communication a lot of things we've talked about as educators is that relationship between home home and school um parent and child just making sure that child has a trusted adult to go to even if it's not their parent but they have a trusted adult mentor to go to. or yes sure, absolutely yeah. i think the main thing, and I've talked about this before, but I think you would agree 
Parents can do such a great service to their children, to their schools, to their entire communities by just turning off the camera on their child's smartphone. (laughs) We feel like it is an absolute right when having the smartphone, you get a smartphone, so of course you have a camera. But if you think about even when we grew up, we didn't have that, that accessibility, that ability to take pictures, to take photos of everything, everywhere, all the time. That is that fire that can hurt you. Having that access, I know we've always set the standard for brave parenting that really should not be allowed until high school. Even then, high school can still be a problem. But I really want to encourage parents from everything I've experienced from seven kids through the school years, those cameras, is, it's just better turned off during the middle school years. I think it's a great suggestion. And I think that would help cut down on a ton of different issues that pop up. Yeah. By far, it would cut down on that. So I think it's a great suggestion. I know it's hard for some parents maybe to take that next step to do, but I do think that's, that's a way to help gain, you know, just, just giving them access. You know, show me what you can do with a little, you know, talking to your right. child and then yes. build on that, right? Build their trust. You know, if you can do a great job of texting these three people for the next, you know, three months, whatever it may be, then we'll give you access to this. Then if you show me you can do that, then we'll give you access to this, you know, and build yeah, that's on right. that. Absolutely. Yeah. It needs to not start with a free-for-all. It just right. needs it constantly. Just like we started with a big old, you know, cell phone. <laughs> it was this big right. brick. And then we went into like maybe the BlackBerry, then the flip phone. And we, went, we, we graduated, <laughs> that's right, that's right. you know, step by step into the connectivity that we have today. And kids should do the same. Yes. So that's great. All right. So little shift in gears. I want to talk about the fact that, you know, in a lot of Christian circles, there's a lot of um, talk and push about homeschooling and private schooling in lieu of the public schools. And a lot of that is a lot of culture war issues that are going on. But for others, it, you know, it just may be, I just want to mean to help my kids maintain a biblical worldview to keep their faith as they're being educated. But I know it's possible to do both. So as a Christian, as a father, as a public school principal, can you speak to how other Christian parents can help their kids and thrive in maintaining that biblical worldview while being educated in the public school system? That's a great question. Yeah, I have this conversation with parents often. You know, I am a huge public school advocate. You know, I work in the public schools and I love, me personally, I love the picture of a public school where any child can walk through the door and we educate them, right? It doesn't matter disability, race, color, it doesn't matter how much money they have, everyone's welcome to come in and, and we, we adapt our practices to help them the best that we can. A lot of families have just apprehension with going to school, with homeschool per se, or, or putting their kids in private school, just not knowing, just knowing, having that trust in public school. And I get it. I really do because I have some great friends and family members that that homeschool their kids and, and have their kids in private schools, which is, there's some great resources. And I think the beauty now that as we go forward, that there are so many different options sure. for families yeah. um, that we never had years ago, I mean, online schooling, um, just there's some great homeschool curriculum that's out there. But we do get families that come to my my office saying, you know, my child is struggling with reading or dyslexic and they're maybe dyslexic or they may have speech issues. And we're really debating on putting them in public school and should I do it or not? And I don't, I don't really know if I should. And so they talk through some of those fears, just having to balance that choice, right? And so I tell them, you know, as a dad, as a husband, and I've brought my kids up through the public schools. And one of the, one of the things that we instill in our kids is just that open communication line, talk, 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 talk to them. And so really encourage them. I and mean, we pray with them every day. You know, I take my boys to school every morning. Pray, I pray for them. Um, we talk about things that are going on in their lives, and we talk about how to be salt and light you know, in, the, in the school, um, how to encourage their teachers. And I think there's something to be said when you live a life like that. And 
that leads to the Lord and that other people see that and that you may be the only Bible per se that somebody sees, right? When you're living your life on mission. But I will say, you know, taking time to put those things in place at home where you're praying for your kids each day, you're equipping them, you're having those conversations. Because this is going to happen, Kelly, where um, somebody, you may have a, a Bible verse on your shirt or something and somebody says something out loud and laughs about it. Your child may come home and be like, you know, they laughed at my, my Bible verse on my shirt. You know, what do I do, mom? You know, and that's a great open door to that conversation about, you know, that's going to happen. And, you know, this is how we get through it. And this is what these kind of trials, things are going to happen. And let's have that conversation now, right, as they're young. And so I will say those parents that are listening to this right now that may have some fears of putting your kids in public school, or maybe that's not even, maybe that's the only option, right, public school, is go and do it. You know, take that step out of faith in faith and pray for your, your child's principles, pray for their teachers, let them know that, like reach out to them and tell them. You'd be surprised how many believers there are in, mm -hmm. in schools and that, that are plugged into different churches that more so probably than you know. And so I think the more that we can encourage our educators and show our kids that we're on the same page as them, the better. And it just helps us work in unison. And so that's, as a dad, as a husband, just encouraging those conversations. We have a lot of conversations at that dinner table to Kelly where we, every night we do high-low. So we'll go around the table and every, every one of my kids, even my wife and I will say the high for the day and the low for the day. And we'll talk about that. And, and my kids have shared some interesting things you yeah. know, over the years. And so um, just those challenges where, yeah, just trying to be real and, and live life. I think also because there is so much information out there and other kids in the public school system are going to have access to maybe different amounts of news, different information, different worldviews, different ideologies. It is really important as well as a parent to be prepared and uh, to have God's word at the ready. And it's okay to say to your kids, you know, I don't know the answer to maybe that question or that worldview or why someone said this thing, but let me look it up and get it back. I think that's so, so great when we can then return to our kids and say, okay, this is, you know, this child maybe said this about this worldview or this culture topic, and you weren't sure how to answer, but th now I know, and this is what God's word says. Just being able to show that type of humility and openness, but also pointing them back to God's word, because there's going to be a lot, a big mix of different worldviews. Absolutely. And, but that's the world too, when you're an adult, there's a mix of worldviews. So they're just being exposed to it, you know, throughout their education and that's okay. And I think it really can be done. I mentor a girl who's now a senior who is just on fire for the Lord and loves Jesus and is so, so amazing and has th absolutely thrives in the public school system. And the parents have done just a wonderful job at maintaining that biblical worldview, keeping her plugged into the church, keeping yes. her plugged into other activities other than just the, the screen or just school. Um, she's an excellent student, top of her class, and she also is very successful at sports and other. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And I forgot to mention that too. You just, just finding the church that gets, and I mentioned at the beginning, just a church that plugs into your kids, right? Yeah. You know, we, we are very fortunate where we're at, where we have a great community of people and just encouraging my kids and pouring into them every Sunday. And so just having that access to where you've got praying for your kids, right? That's just really encouraging and finding a, a church that does that. And so even we have, there's some great youth leaders that are out there, young life leaders, just different yeah. folks that are out there that have access to helping your kids. And even what's really neat is I know a lot of schools open the doors to where young life or, or high school high school or college leaders come into the campus and eat lunch with them, you know, hang yeah. out with them and see them. And so just having that connection is great, right? Absolutely. Just 
um, being able to have that connection pour into them because a lot of times your kids will probably open up more to them than, than you maybe at times. Mm-hmm. So, okay, finishing up, if you could give just one or two points that you would just love to see maybe parents improve on regarding media and technology time outside of school so that you and your team of teachers and administrators can just do your job to the best of your ability and educate and create just amazing citizens and students, what would those kind of one or two points be? So I would say just be engaged with your child, right? I would say that's huge. Number put your one phone down. Is, is that what you're saying? <laughs> put your own phone down, mom and dad. Put your phone down, right? And even model that, right? We have to model that. And yeah. I, I catch myself sometimes on it, just trying to answer emails and whatnot, but put the phone down. And my kids, my, my son, oldest one even called me on that one time, but just modeling that, putting it away, being engaged, you know, going outside and doing those, those sports, getting plugged into the sports. Um, even if your kid's not a sport child, you know, what does it look like karate or whatnot, right? Just different activities or piano. So being engaged. Another big one is putting phones away at night. Yes. Right? Like taking that out of the room. <laughs> Trying to also desynthesize those things the last 30 minutes, 45 minutes, where it may be before you go to sleep, right? right? Putting right. those things, turning them away. It's huge, Kelly. Just conversations I've had with parents where some of the kids have had access to phones at midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock at night, mm-hmm. and just things that are happening and parents aren't even aware. Right. right. So it's way more common. It it's is. It's way more yeah. common. And I think that parents feel like they can't take that hard stand, but that is your role. I mean, I know. Believe me, I'm, I'm still in it. It is hard, parents. I know how hard it is to draw the line, to keep the line, to hold that line because they push back on everything and they sneak and they, you know, boundaries get blurred, but it is so, so important. It is. And also even if there's a way to turn to turn off the Wi-Fi at night, you know, whatnot. Yes, or, there is. Oh, there is. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know how, contact us, we'll help you. Absolutely. But I think putting those things, having a neutral place, even model that for your kids, maybe you and your wife, right? Putting it there too, is just yeah. having one place for it where everyone keeps it turned off during the night, you know, whatnot. So I will say too, you know, there's a lot of anxiousness, you know, around just all the different things. And we, we get worried about a lot of different things out there. And, and I will tell you, you know, it says in Philippians, right, to not to be anxious, but to turn to God and be praying mm-hmm. through it. And so put that aside, lay that on him. And so, you know, we've really, you know, at our home just prayed through just, there's a lot of the unknown out there, what we don't know. And so um, I would just encourage parents, you know, there's going to be, you're going to be crossing your paths with things you don't know what to do. And just the anxiousness of a situation with devices and what's out there, what has your kid gotten into and all those different things. But it tells us that in scripture, go to him, you know, pray to him, like seek God's will in, in their lives. And so not to, we're probably going to mess up. We are going to mess up right at some yeah. point. And there's going to be a time where maybe you have to show that vulnerability with your child and just admit that humility that, Hey, I messed up, but really just, Praying with them and just seeking God's will in their lives yeah. um, is huge. Yeah. So that just really encourage is, parents. That's the bottom line. It really is. It's about praying for your child, praying with your child. Situations change when people start praying in earnest. You yes. know, heavens can move and the Lord can really um, do great things. And so it's just so important to be praying for our kids, no matter where they're being educated. And of course, praying for the strength and the wisdom to create those boundaries. Um, education is so important and we are blessed so much to the point that I'm sure you would agree that we take it for granted the fact that we have so much access to education where a hundred years ago, that was just not the case. Oh yeah. My own grandparents, you know, only went to eighth grade. And so here we are, you know, 2023 and we have so much access. We have a lot of kids just saying, yeah, I don't know. I think I'll just be a gamer or I'll just be a YouTube star. No, and we've we've talked a lot about this in education. You know, 
no longer is the teacher the sage on the stage where they're, you know, back in the day, right? They had all the information and you went to the teacher to get all the that's information. Right. And that's not the case, right? And so really being that that facilitator as a teacher or facilitating learning and encouraging growth and creativity and problem solving, all, all those, we call them 21st century skills or those soft skills that that businesses want in their employees, right? To be a critical thinker, to show, um, be able to have social skills where they're able to have those hard conversations. Problem solving, to, yes. Yeah, problem solving, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so even as educators, that's something that we really work towards. It's just how can we encourage that in the classroom? I think another key point is always to remember that um, we should treat the public school teachers, when they're, especially when they're in elementary school, to, to respect those teachers as they are, like what you said, the sage on the stage. Because treating them as though no, your teacher knows, and no, having that respect really builds a respect for authority, which a lot of young people don't have. They're not getting a lot of that. They yes. think Google knows just as much <laughs> as my teacher, so why should I respect my teacher? That's right. But it's really important for us to, to model that respect, the teachers and administrators. And I just thank you for what you do. I know it's not an easy job. <laughs> thank you. No. No, it's, I've been really blessed, Kelly. Just, I'm, I mean, I can't say it enough. Just God has really just laid on my heart just to be where I am. And I've been really encouraged. Just have some great folks around me that have encouraged me and just to serve beside. And so just thankful just to run this race you know, with families. And we mess up. It's messy. Life's messy, right? And so I think that's the way that God designed it, right? That it's, it's going to be messy. And so where do we go? We go to Him for yeah. those answers and just seek His will Amen. and trust Scripture. And so... I'm just thankful for that and just people, like I said, just investing in me. So I'm going to do that the same thing for others. That's awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks, Kelly. All right, friends. I pray that interview motivates and encourages you. If you are someone who is sending your kids into public school, I know that there is a lot of negative talk right now about public school, and there is some reason to be concerned for sure, but I don't want you to lose heart and feel that the work you do at home teaching a biblical worldview, bringing your child to church, all of this, that it's futile against the forces of bad ideas that are in the public school. Listen, there are a lot of Christians who don't just survive, but thrive throughout their years in public school. As I mentioned in the interview, I've been mentoring for four years, one girl who is really just on fire for the Lord and has been in public school since the very beginning. So it is possible. It can be done. But yes, at the same time, you have to do the hard work. And let's just talk about Elizabeth Urbanowitz's interview when we talked about her foundation worldview curriculum. This material is a perfect adjunct to countering those bad ideas from other people in the public school. So make sure that you check that out. Work that into your family's time together, whether that be on the weekend or a weekday if you have time. Go to foundationworldview.com, look into that curriculum. If you are earnestly trying to raise up your children in the knowledge and instruction and discipline of the Lord, it, this is essential. You just need to counter what's being taught or maybe absorbed through the public school system with the biblical truth at home. So thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we have an interview with the headmaster of a logic school which is private school language for the principal of a middle school. Equally great insight and encouragement. You don't want to miss it. Okay, everyone, have a wonderful week. Until next week, go and be brave.